You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Now listen carefully, God has a transcendent purpose for all of us. And here's what I mean by that. His purpose is bigger than us, it's greater than us, it's better than anything we could ever come up with on our own. Amen. God has a purpose for me, he has a purpose for you. His purpose on earth, here's what it is, is his great plan of redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. That is God's purpose on earth. His great plan of redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. In your faith journey, do you acknowledge the saving blood of Jesus? Do you let its magnificence shine through your life or does it get lost in the riffraff? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that the blood of Jesus stands as the only way to redeem you from your mistakes. No matter what gets thrown your way, the saving blood of Jesus is a reminder of His unwavering love and commitment to you. Don't squander what you have and store up treasures in heaven by sharing His gospel. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Importance of Why. Now, when I say the why advantage, let me be real clear with what I mean. Uh, that we understand the two things mentioned in this verse, who we are in Him and what we're living for. If you understand those two things, then you understand why. It's very important that we understand not just how to do church, but why are we doing church? Not just how to live, but why are we alive? Why does God have us here? Are we here by mistake? Are we here by some evolutionary mishap? No. We're here for a reason, for a purpose. And we need to understand our why. Because when you understand why, it gives you an advantage in life. Answering those two questions answers the million-dollar questions of life. What is the purpose of my life? And what is the reason for my existence? Is it just to get up, go to work, put in eight hours, go back home, pay the bills, raise kids, get my 401k and my gold watch, and then die one day? Is that it? Or is there more? You know what's really sad? Many people live their entire lives out never understanding why they're here or what their purpose in life is. That's sad. So you live aimlessly. They live and die without ever experiencing the deep satisfaction of fulfilling God's eternal plan for their lives. They exist they don't really live. Now listen carefully. God has a transcendent purpose for all of us. And here's what I mean by that. His purpose is bigger than us. It's greater than us. It's better than anything we could ever come up with on our own. Amen. God has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for you. His purpose on earth, here's what it is, is his great plan of redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. That is God's purpose on earth. His great plan of redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. Anything God is doing, it's about that. You want to know what God's doing? It has to do with that. And every believer is called to play a part in the outworking of that plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. A ship may be safe in a harbor, but that is not what ships are for. The ship was created to sail the deep. Now listen, 
You and I were created to sail, as it were, in the ocean of God's plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. And until you do that, you're just existing and not living. I thank God for purpose. I wake up every day with purpose. I'm not just here to live another day, but there's a reason for me being here. There is a cause for me being here. There is a purpose for me and you being here, and it's bigger than us, greater than us, higher than us, deeper than us, wider than us. It's God's plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. And we're all to play a part in it. One day a man came across three stone cutters working in a quarry. Each one was cutting out a block of stone, and curious as to what they were doing, he asked the first stone cutter what he was doing. What, he said, are you blind? Can't you see I'm cutting this stupid piece of stone? Well, shocked, but still no wiser, the man turned to the second stone cutter and asked him what he was doing. He said, I'm cutting this block of stone to make sure that its sides are straight and smooth so that the builder can build a straight wall. Well, a little bit better, but not really any wiser, he went to the third stone cutter, who seemed to be happier than the first two, and said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm building a great cathedral to God's glory. The first two knew how. The third one knew why. And the one that knew why is the one that had the joy. We're not just living life. We're building in a great kingdom. And we're all to be builders in God's kingdom. We're to understand why we're here. It's to play a part in his eternal plan of redemption. And we're all builders and contributors and, and, and participators in that plan. Amen, amen. amen. Stephen Covey famously uh, 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 penned a phrase. It's this one. I love this. The main thing. Everybody say it with me. The main thing, the main thing. is to keep the main thing. The main thing. How's that? I love that. I wish I'd come up with that. But say it again with me. The main thing, the main thing. is to keep the main thing. The main thing. What is the main thing for every believer? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The main thing is a man named Jesus. That's the main thing. And the main thing, say it with me again, the main thing is for me to keep the main thing, the main thing. How complicated is that? That's so simple. A first grader could get it. Amen? And so that's why I call this the why advantage. Because if you've got the why advantage, if you understand why, then what you do understand is the main thing for me in life as a Christian is to keep the main thing, Jesus, my main thing every day, 24-7, seven days a week. Not just on Sunday where I punch a clock and do my religious duty and go back home. But no, every day when I wake up, it's good morning, Lord Jesus. When I go to bed at night, it's good night, Lord Jesus. And my whole life is wrapped up in him, my main thing. Once you understand who you are and why you're here in him, let me tell you what it'll bring to you. Here's the why advantage. You'll survive virtually any trial. And I'm going to show you that in the next few weeks because we're going to look at three different men that survived bitter trials because they understood their why. You can survive virtually any trial. You can remain focused 
even in the difficult, dark seasons of life. Third, you will not lose heart with setbacks and disappointments if you understand your why. That's the why advantage. If I understand why I'm here and who I am in Him, I can go through anything and come out on the other side. And you will see God's hand at work in everything around you, be the days cloudy or clear. That's the why advantage. So many Christians these days go through a little trial here and there and they sink. You will never sink like that if you understand your why. Amen? Everybody say the why advantage. See, we're going to leave this series with the why advantage blazoned on our heart. So let's start. I want to start real elementary on first base with this whole idea of the why advantage. And let me tell you this. First of all, when God saved you, he had a plan. You say, well, well, of course, Jeff, I, I know he had a plan to get me to heaven. You ask most Christians, well, what did God do for you when you got saved? Well, I'm going to heaven. And we have this understanding that the whole reason I got saved was to go to heaven. Well, that's one of the good reasons. And, and that ought to get you saved right there. If you don't get saved, you're not going to heaven. But that's only part of God's plan. We've got to get that in our minds. He has a plan for your time on earth and mine. When God saved you, he had a plan. Can you say that with me? When God saved me, he had a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. We all know the verse, but let me read. Listen to how many times it mentions plans. For I know, says God, the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. I think he had a plan. Amen? So, so now who's he telling that to? He's telling that to his own people languishing in Babylonian captivity for their own sin. They had royally messed up, but yet God comes to them and says, let me tell you something, I've still got a plan. I've got a plan. If you've messed up today, uh, the devil will come to you and tell you, you're all washed up. You might as well just walk away because you've messed up royally. I counter that with the word of God. Even if you have messed up, God still has a plan. He has a plan. What kind of plan? What, what is it? What do we just read about? Well, they were good plans. They were future plans. And they were hopeful plans to give them a future and a hope. God had a plan for his people. Now you are his people. We are his new covenant people, washed in the blood of the Lamb, born again, children of God. He is our genuine heavenly Father. And that same God that said that to Israel says it to us, I've got a plan. When you got saved, I had a plan in my mind for you. In another place, we see the Lord telling Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, who formed in the, him in the womb? God did. Isn't that what it says? Amen. Everybody say formed. formed. So who's involved in your formation in the womb of your mama? God is. Before I formed you in the womb. What does he say? I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. Amen. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, now God's plan, notice, was preemptive. He preemptively, on purpose, intentionally formed and called Jeremiah to accomplish 
his plan before he was even born. And when God saw you and formed you in the womb, he knew of the day that would come in your future when you would call on his son and be saved. And before, and believe it or not, when you were still in the womb, God looked at you and said, their day is coming, they're gonna be born again, and when they're born again, I've got a plan for their life. Now, listen to this psalm. You created my inmost being, says David. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And it gets even better. He goes on. You saw me before I was born. And you scheduled, everybody say scheduled. scheduled. Each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. Now, listen carefully. A scheduler schedules something because the scheduler has a plan. And look what he says. I scheduled every day of your life. He said, well, how can that be, Pastor Jeff? Because I had some terrible days. That's okay. God knew your terrible days were coming. He still had a plan. And he still has a plan. Uh, you are on the potter's wheel. You are his workmanship. And his plan is being worked out in your life. We've got to understand that I'm not a mistake. I'm not an evolution. Evolution didn't spit me into time. No, God formed me, knitted me, made me, created me, fashioned me, molded me to, into who I am. And God had a plan for me before I ever breathed. If all my days are scheduled, then all my days have been planned by a great capital P planner. Amen. Amen. God has a plan. Whether or not you're aware of it, whether or not you fully understand it, that's okay. God's got a plan. And, and, and in case you're still in doubt about this being true of you, let me jump into the New Testament and read you what Ephesians 2 verse 10 says. It is God himself who has made us. Same idea. It is God himself who has made us what we are, and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others in Jesus' name. Long ages ago, one of the versions says, before time began, God had your life mapped out, and he had a plan that your life would be a blessing to other people. In Jesus' name. Y'all are so quiet today, you're making me nervous. No, I know what that means. It means you're thinking. Now, now let me tell you, I understand why you're thinking, because this is heavy stuff, but it's true. God had a plan for you. Me, my life's so full of mistakes and tragedies and mess-ups and setbacks and disappointments and betrayals. Absolutely, you're going to see the next few weeks. None of that stuff stops God's plan. So watch this, the Bible is teaching that every one of us was created on purpose for a purpose that is bigger than us, greater than us, and the most fulfilling and rewarding thing we can ever do is plug into God's plan. I'm so glad for the day that I jumped into God's plan for Jeff Wickwire because my whole life changed when I jumped into his plan. 
When I received his plan, accepted his plan through Christ and began to walk in that plan, it changed my life. I'm not up here because one day I got a good idea that I need to be a preacher. No, I'm up here because God had a plan for me when I got saved in juvenile home as a 16-year-old juvenile delinquent with long hair, skinny as a rail, and with no future at all, God touched me. And when I got saved, I had no idea of the plan he had. But it began to unfold as I followed Jesus. So, so God, when you got saved, say it with me. When I got saved, God had a plan. Now, here's the second thing. This is simple, first base, elementary, but please get it. God's plan begins when you get saved. God's plan begins with your salvation. Do you know that God's desire is that for every human being on earth to be saved? That's God's desire. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. God isn't really being slow about his promised return. If you ever wonder, where's Jesus? If I was God, I'd wrap this whole thing up today. But why is Jesus tarrying? Why hasn't he come back yet? We're about to read it. He isn't being slow about his return, even though it sometimes seems that way. But he's waiting. Why? For the good reason that he's not willing that any would perish. And he's giving more time for sinners to repent. Catch that. Why is God waiting? Why is he watching all the suffering? Why is all the stuff going on in the world? All the terrible things, yet God waits. Why? Because another one's going to get saved, and another one's going to get saved, and yet another one's going to get saved. The day will come when the last one gets saved, and God will turn to his son and say, go get your bride, and the trumpet will blow, and Jesus will come. But until then, why is God waiting? He doesn't want anybody to perish. He's waiting for people to repent to be saved. That's how important it is that you and I and that people are saved. God's waiting for that. He created us to fellowship with him. And and when we reject the salvation he offers, we also reject the plan he has for us. It's after we're saved that we discover God has planned Good works for me to involve myself in. Let me read Ephesians 2.10 from another version. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that there's a reason we got saved and it's more than just heaven. So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Why'd I get saved? Well, yeah, for heaven. But until I get to heaven, it is so that I can involve myself in good works and glorify Christ. See, see, here's the deal. Notice, you'll never participate in God's plan unless you're born again. You're never going to know God's plan unless you're born again. You're never going to walk in his will. You're never going to experience his favor. You're not going to enjoy peace with him until you're born again. But the moment, the microsecond you're born again, he begins to work out his plan. So so you've got to be saved before you ever know his plan. When we turn to Jesus for salvation, the doorway to God's plan for your life is swung wide open. But until then, you're on the other side. You'll never know his plan. You'll never glorify him. You'll never walk with him. You'll never enjoy his presence. It all begins with getting saved. 
We got to get saved. That's why we share the gospel all the time. We got to get saved. People need to be saved because so much happens when somebody gets saved. Not only are their sins forgiven, and not only are they delivered from hell to heaven, from lost to found, from blind to sight, but they're also ushered into God's plan for their life. One day, a number of years ago, I decided it was in a Christmas season that I was going to go and rescue a dog from the shelter. It just came on me. And I decided I'm going to go do it. So I went to the shelter. And I'm walking through all these cages, and it's a hard thing to do. But I see this little mixed breed puppy way back in the corner of a cage all by himself. And looking at him, I knew several things. One, I knew he was terminal. It was a kill shelter. I knew if somebody didn't adopt him, get him out, they would one day put him down. So he was terminal. He just didn't know it. I knew he was imprisoned in a cage. He's imprisoned in a cage. And I also knew there's no way he's ever coming out of this cage unless somebody pays the price to get him out. And I knew that as I looked at him, I had a plan for him. I had a plan. That's why I was there in the first place. Because I had a plan. And my plan for him was something like this. I wanted him to be a part of my family. I wanted him to bless my children with companionship and with joy. I wanted him to walk beside me and get to know me. And I wanted to teach him and train him and provide for him and take care of him. And ultimately, I wanted to bring him to my dwelling. I wanted to bring him to my house. All these plans awaited who I would later name Ollie. But here's the deal. It hinged on him coming to me. Because he's way back in the... I couldn't reach him. So I said to myself, if he comes to me, I'm taking him. So I said, here, little guy. At first, he looked at me like, ain't no way. You got that deep voice, I'm not getting near you. But I said, come on, come on. Finally, he gets up and he takes a few careful steps my way, close enough where I could snatch him into my arms and deliver him from the cage and pay the ransom to get him out and take him to my home. And I thought this, I might have said it to him, you just took the most important little steps of your life. <laughs> now let me tell you something. You think you and I are any different? You think Jesus didn't walk around? Because this whole, this whole earth is a kill shelter. And so Jesus comes to all the cages, and he looks in. And he gives the call, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes on him, comes to him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. And we hear the call. And, and if we don't come to him, we never know what we missed until we die. But if we take a, those few hesitant steps towards him, amen, you, you, you find that he, he saw me in my cage of sin. God sees you and I in the cage of sin, the cage of bondage. We're all in it. We're in a cage of sin when he first sees us. 
and he knows we're gonna perish if we're not delivered because it's a kill shelter. He knows it and he's already paid the ransom to deliver you and me. He's already slapped down on the desk the only currency that can set us free and that is the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you and for me. In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he showed you how to uncover your true identity in the midst of this crazy world. Embrace the idea that understanding yourself requires understanding the heart of the Lord. You'll never get all the answers, but letting God into every aspect of your life will get you on the right path. Recognize that even in the midst of differing opinions on self-discovery, the blood of Jesus will forever be the only way. Here's Diane with some more info about Hardwired. If you have any questions or comments about what you've heard today, we'd like to know. You can call or text us at the following number and share your thoughts. That number to text is 817-484-4767. Once again, that's 817-484-4767. Thanks for being a part of this ministry and helping it to continue to be an encouraging and uplifting resource for you and others. Now I'll hand it back to Daniel as he gives a preview of what's next. When's the last time you were on a solid foundation? Next time on Hardwired, Pastor Jeff illustrates the importance of establishing a foundation that transcends the uncertainties of life. Amidst all of life's circumstances, the grace of God stands as the only cornerstone. Embrace the idea that by building your foundation on God's grace, you secure a source of strength, mercy, and unwavering support. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the book of Ephesians next time on Hardwired.